Good heavens, it's a Bobcast. Welcome to episode 41. I'm your host, Bob Evans, aka Kevin Mitchell. Hi, how are you going? Welcome if you've not listened to this podcast before. Welcome to it. It's great to have you. Um, if you have been listening to this podcast for the last couple of years, um, thank you so much for sticking with it. Um, a couple of things. Uh, I have a brand new single out. It's called Born Yesterday. And you can find it on YouTube. You can stream it on Spotify or Apple Music or whatever. You can buy it too. If anybody still buys stuff, you can buy it. Um, the response to the song has been amazing. I've been, yeah, really blown away. Um, it's gotten some radio airplay, which um, uh, I haven't experienced for a, a commercial radio play I'm talking about, which I haven't experienced for a little while. So um, that's all really exciting. And I've just been getting lots and lots of great messages from people and comments. Um, and yeah, it feels really good. Sounds like people are connecting with the song. I'm, I'm super happy about that. Uh, as usual with this podcast, you can find songs that my guests always talk about on this, on previous episodes and on this episode. Uh, on Spotify, I've got a playlist. It's called Good Evans. It's a podcast soundtrack. And you can find all the music that we talk about over the last 41 episodes there. Um, what else can I talk about? Um, I've got my first ever this weekend. This weekend, I have my first shows post-COVID. Uh, the first gigs that I've played since the start of the year, January, February. Um, I can't quite remember. It's, this year has been such a blur. But that's super exciting. Um, they're in a, in a place called the Pelican Bar in Queenscliff, which is just down the road from where I live. Um, I'm going to be doing three shows in one day, which I've never done before. It's going to be really strange. But you know what? I'm leaning into it. I'm embracing it um, because it's a step in the right direction, right? Um, so it's going to be awesome. And then next year, the record is going to come out. Uh, uh, yeah, the record is going to come out in April next year. And, you know, God willing, the tour dates that we are putting together will happen because... Australia is smashing it at the moment, all things COVID-related. So uh, things are looking up. I hope things are going well for you too. I hope that there is a silver lining to the last year for people. Uh, I hope that the challenges that you've been facing, um, uh, that you're able to uh, overcome them, bash through them. It's been a hard year for, for, for everyone, I think. Um, so yeah, I, I wish I wish everybody listening all the very best with whatever challenges they're facing this year and whatever challenges that this whole COVID thing has thrown up at them um, or up at you. So episode forty-one, uh, I think that's everything I need to talk about. What else do I need to plug? I'm gonna plug stuff. What else? I think that's it. So episode forty-one is uh, with Scott Dooley. Uh, Scott Dooley is. Uh, a lovely gentleman that I first came across when he was working at Triple J back in the early 2000s. He now lives in America, in New York, and I caught up with him 
over Zoom from where he was in America. And we have a great chat. We talk, obviously, lots about music, lots about COVID, lots about America and Trump and all the fascinating shit that's going on over there at the moment. Um, and it's pretty serious, you know. It's, there's some heavy stuff going on in that part of the world. But, um, you know, we, we, we talk about it with good humor, I think. Um, but yeah, Scott is a, a you know a very generous generous guest. I had a really really fun time chatting to him. Um, he's a, a very funny man, a very intelligent man as well. And yeah, I hope you enjoy this chat as much as I did. So as usual, there is you know the converse, There's swear words. There's swearies in here. Does anybody listen to this podcast in the presence of children? I doubt it. I doubt it. I mean, I've always thought podcasts were a really kind of private thing. I mean, I, I listen to podcasts with headphones on when I'm driving or mowing the lawn. I imagine that's how most people listen to them, but I don't know. So, you know, that's your warning. If you're new to the podcast, it's, it's an, it's, there's adult content and it's probably not advisable to be listening to it in the company of your young children. But I, do I need to tell you that? I probably don't. Anyway, uh, let's get into it, shall we? Uh, this is episode... 41 with my good friend Scott Dooley on Good Evans It's a Bobcast No, this this is a little fun fact about me. On the UMI album Convicts, I do the hand claps on that record. No. Yeah. Yeah. What? Yeah. How did that come about? My friend. Welcome to the podcast, by the way, Scott Dooley. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> it sounds like as good a spot as any to start, right? Um, <laughs> my my friend and potentially your friend Greg Wales was um, producing that record. And of course, it was around Christmas time. I think I remember the Boxing Day test was on it, and they were doing some vocal stuff in North Melbourne. And um, it, so it was just Greg and Tim in the studio. And and Walesy said, "Do you want to come down?" Because I, 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 you know, I'm a, a huge UMI fan because I'm not a massive idiot. So I <laughs> jumped at the opportunity, and we went down and watched the cricket. I remember it being very hot and. Um, I want to say, yeah, I think there was some shirts off gear. Like it was really hot. It was like that, that hot. <laughs> and so you would have known, so I'm assuming you would have known Walesy from Triple J. That's right. Yeah, yeah. So he was, um, and still is, one of the live music um, people, yeah. you know. Yeah. They, they, they churn out such amazing, I mean, you've done a few of those like aversions and live at the wirelesses yeah. and stuff. It's Quite amazing how much stuff gets churned out. Yeah, it's insane, and also the reach that those like versions have now. I mean, it's it's turned into a full scale production now. When it first started, you know, I used to just go in there and you, you couldn't bring in all your gear, and you just sort of sit around the desk. Mm. You weren't even like properly 
you know, you're just chucked in front of a microphone. You weren't all like plugged into anything. Now, because it has the potential for so much reach and like so many of those songs end up getting in the hottest 100 and stuff now, like bands go in with the full production. Like they'll they'll have a uh, designated yeah, yeah. massive like room and they'll set up and they'll get guests in to sing extra stuff yeah, in it and yeah. and it, hey make sure the fireworks aren't too close <laughs> to the choir guys <laughs> that's right light shows smoke machines you know dubs being re- dubs being released <laughs> and um stonehenge <laughs> <laughs> but it totally it really because it works you know and so yeah, it's, it really has changed a lot. But another thing too about Greg Wales is he just produced the latest Violent Soho record. Violent Soho record, mm. yeah, yeah, yeah. And he also produced. He's got. He's like he he is like he's a real one, man. Like he um, he produced a Hot Snakes live album at the Annandale. Like any it, people who are in music know him, and he he's. Mm amazing and prolific and and just one of the absolute sweethearts yeah, lovely, that you'll ever meet lovely guy also played for a brief for a brief time one more oh, one, more, one more fact about greg wales which most people listening to this probably don't even know um <laughs> also drummed during the final stages for a band called sandpit he did and do you want to know a sandpit story oh yes Here's a sandpit story for you Steph, Ash, Steph Ashworth from Something for Kate's old band before she joined Something for Kate. There's another one. So, so I'm a, I, I'm obviously a, a big fan of music, and um, so Greg has all these fantastic stories, and so does Cam McCauley, so does Linda Radcliffe, the the music, live music team when I was at Triple J, and they, I remember Walesy telling me a story that Sandpit was playing at the old Espy, and yep. in St Kilda in Melbourne, and. They'd finished, they'd come off stage and he'd bumped into a mate of his and he said, oh, hello, mate, how are you? What are you doing? Did you? He goes, yeah, 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 we came and caught the set. It was great. And he goes, he goes well, what are, you, what are you doing in, in Melbourne? He goes, oh, I'm on tour with Radiohead. He was a, he was a lighting guy or a, or a sound yeah. guy or something. And he goes, oh, yeah, yeah. He calls, he goes, yeah, the guys really liked it. And at the end of the bar was Radiohead, who were touring no OK way. Computer at the time. Oh, my God. <laughs> and they just, yeah, they just played some uh, – I don't think Rod Laver Arena was around then. I think that tour was like 97 or 8. So Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah it was 97. Well, the record came out – yeah, maybe it was 98 that they toured. Um, mm. I, bet, I bet Tom York wasn't there, though. I don't know. This might have been Tom uh, – yeah, Tom's not really a partier. He, he was having a. I think he was having a bad time during that tour. That was the. That was the meeting people is easy. Yeah, um, yeah. You remember that DVD where where it's them just openly laughing at every journalist except for I think Richard <laughs> Kingsmill was on it. Yes. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> on the Triple J thing, um, that was like take me back to when you started Triple J because this is my memory of it, and it's pretty hate like at the time. I wasn't, my wife told me about this work experience kid that was on Triple J because I think you might've, it might've been mornings and, and that was at a time where I was not listening to the radio in the morning. I was, uh, I was, you know, sleeping in late, um, mm. But my this 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 has comedy festival poster. Uh, Kevin Mitchell is not a morning person, and you like in <laughs> pajamas, 
Captain Snooze style shrugging, <laughs> maybe with a toothbrush. You know, you know, they're always like that. Those posters. <laughs> <laughs> that, that, that have to, have to be a, yeah, it'll be a really cynical, grumpy kind of show. You know, where I'm just no, you've always got to be shrugging because you're just a comedian. You don't know what the hell's going on. This crazy world. I look at it at a different angle. Well. <laughs> <laughs> My my <laughs> wife worked, and so she used to listen to the radio on her commute. Um, mm. So, is it was it true? Were you? Is that actually what happened? You were actually the work experience kid, or was there a little no, bit? No, no. So that was that was the, yeah. That was a bit of artistic license. I mean, I was paid okay. the same as a work experience kid at the time. So <laughs> what happened? <laughs> what what happened is I I actually got onto Triple J when. Mel and uh, no Charlie Pickering and Nicole Fassati were doing the drive show, ah, and they yes, come in after that. American Rosso. And I'd just left high school and was an avid Triple J listener. And I was at university, barely going. And I was I, I knew I wanted to get into comedy. So at, around that time, I'd started submitting articles to a fledgling satirical newspaper that was like the Onion, called the Chaser. Oh, I don't yeah. know what happened to those guys. <laughs> so, um, so I was I was I was writing for them, um, and then I the Mel the Charlie and Nicole show were doing some competition where they wanted a show mascot or something, and I entered and and was really and and got on and before I had to go on and my thing I. The mascot was called Bricky the House Brick, and 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 it and I had all these jokes written. I was really prepared. I was not going to miss my shot at being on the radio, right? So right, I yeah. went in, and they said it was good. And I kind of Mel Bampton, who later replaced Nicole Fasadi on the show, was the producer, and I kind of she and I were having a chat, and I said, "Oh, why don't I come in? I'm in Sydney because I'd always I'd really wanted to go into Triple J." Um, because I'd listened to it for a while and a mate of mine played in the AFL and had been on Adam and Will and he was like, you yeah. would love it, mate. There's posters everywhere and it's really cool. <laughs> blah, blah, blah. So, <laughs> There's posters everywhere. <laughs> it was a different time. It was the early 2000s. We didn't have the <laughs> access to posters that these Gen Zs have. <laughs> so, <laughs> but you know, you know those like, and everyone's seen them. And it, 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 there's always like, it was always like a block mounted press like it was a block mounted promo poster and it was always it was it was never for the act big record it was always like it was always like the the one after celebrity skin by hole you know it's it's never the good ones so i went in there and went well and then ended up getting a weekly segment and once they'd opened that door, I, I just went in and I, I just I just hung around and, and Charlie Pickering and I became very close friends and I contributed a lot to the show and then man at that station I did everything. Like I from I was on reception, uh I I went from you know, from hosting reception, hosting the um breakfast show, helping the live music team coil cables at big days out, like anything yeah. i just did everything there and um and so yeah we came up with this thing that i'd be the the work experience kid and i'd go around and you know go and talk to people on red carpets and and you know all that those kinds of things so is that the secret like just yeah once you sort of had your foot in the door there just like you know 
being available like all the time like literally were you just kind of like hanging around and just taking whatever yeah i really was and i i really like and this is terrible advice but i put all of my eggs into that one basket like there was no like I, i essentially dropped out of university i had no money like like yeah. seriously, just no money whatsoever. You know, and, and it's a story everyone can can tell. Um, I think, but yeah, I, I really yeah. just did everything, and I well, you know, to, on reflection, I worked really hard at it. Like I wanted to learn a lot about, you know, what is good radio and what is like what makes a good interview and things like that. And I, I read a lot of, I read a lot around that time, and um, yeah, yeah. So I, I really went all in. I, I think. Look, I think as far as advice goes, I think, I think that's not not, not bad because, I mean, I guess I was pretty similar. I quit uni and put all my eggs in the band basket. But you know, I think like if you're all in on something and you have no safety net and nothing to fall back on, you know, fear is a great motivator. Um, mm. It can mm. it, it it can be a great driving force, and if you've literally got nothing, you have to make this thing work. Then I think that can propel you to yeah, being the being the one who wants it more than the person next to you, perhaps, and which is really really important. Yeah, I I, I yeah I I do I do agree with that, I, and it's it, but it yeah it like and fear like that idea of fear as well is like that's evolutionary. Like there's yeah. a reason we're afraid of crocodiles. Yeah. You know, um, and so I, I think that taps into it. And I, I also think it's circumstance, like I, I'm not from like a super wealthy family. So it's not as if I could just go and work at dad's plant when this had sure. all finished, you know. So yeah. there was yeah. a bit of, there, that, that's where that, that, um, that came from, I think. And they were like, um, what were your parents like when you were like, you know what? Screw you, second year psychology. We're we're going on the road. <laughs> it's surprising how close you are, because um, it was you know second year. It wasn't psychology; it was an arts arts degree. But um, but no, that my my dad didn't really sort of say much. But my mum was massively pissed. She was really pissed off. Very vocal on the uh, topic of Kevin no longer going to university. Oh, yeah. she hated it. Yep, she hated it. Did they come around? Because mine were mine weren't vocally opposed. But there was a lot of, like, there are a lot of, and because I'm an idiot, you've got to bear in mind as well, and you you can appreciate this, you were once a 22-year-old boy, you're a fucking moron. Like, you don't, like, <laughs> and it's only, it's only on reflection that you're like, oh, she was really trying to push me to go back to you, you know, are you sure about this kind of stuff? If I wasn't such a moron, I mean, I, what I could have done, if I was like a... At, 22 if i was a really together if i really had my fucking shit together mm. i would i could have i could have done the band thing stayed at uni maybe just dropped to like part time or like done more online I'm, i mean this is back in the 90s so i'm not quite sure how much you could do away from campus but you know i could have just kept kind of kept it in my world even if it was just pushed back a little bit and you know mm. got got a degree and you know, been in a band, but you know, who, who the fuck is thinking like that? At twenty two, I was just like, oh, we were signed to a like when I did quit uni, the band was starting to get to a point where things were happening. Like we were about to sign to a major label, tours were starting to be organised over east. So I knew that the horizon was looking sunny. So I mm. guess it was an it was an educated kind of gamble. 
And there was, and I'm not sure if it's still the same, but there was a period there and you were one of these bands where there was, like there was literally a documentary called Something in the Water about how many great acts were coming out of Perth around that time. So there must have been a bit of confidence there. Like well, the t- you're not you're not heading out west east on a covered wagon hoping there's going to be oil you know you know yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well yeah but I mean we the only real the only kind of band from Perth that was sort of you know a couple of years ahead of us that gave us some kind of idea of what could be achieved was um, ammonia mm. um, they- drugs and money. Yeah, they yeah. had drugs. Yeah, they had uh, you know what what I think we, we could call a hit song. Um, yeah, I think we can call that a hit. With that and and they were touring all, all everywhere, and they'd signed to Murmur, which was the label that Silverchair famously um, it was pretty much set up for Silverchair. Um, something for Kate, with another band, and we were um, about to. We, we ended up signing with them as well, so they were label mates, and so yeah, they were the only real. They were the only band at the time that was sort of kind of doing what what we wanted to do and what all bands in Perth wanted to do. But previously to that, you'd be going back to like, you know, late 80s and, you know, back then bands from Perth would would either relocate to Sydney or they'd relocate to London. Right. No one stayed. No one stayed in Perth. And and you couldn't couldn't, um, have a career if you stayed in Perth because back then I think... You know, everything was so localised. You know, the industry was like Perth. The, what happened on radio in Perth could be completely different to what happened on radio in other places. You know, the Triple J wasn't a national broadcaster back then. So that, that was another thing. You know, Triple J becoming a national broadcaster happening at around about the same time right, made yeah, a big yeah, difference. Yeah. Um, um, and then after that, yeah, there was a slew, you know, a, a, a loads of Perth bands, and you know, getting on the radio and touring and, you know, doing quite well and 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 it just seems like every sort of generation that that the that sort of perth the band that's sort of broken from perth has just gotten bigger and bigger because after us then it was eskimo joe and then a few years later that birds of tokyo now it's tame impala who are probably australia's biggest never heard of export you know never heard Um, of (laughs) (laughs) so it's kind of this thing it's interesting because this thing that perth was always you know championing you it had to be when, when being so isolated you have to kind of be a little bit um uh parochial i think and um perth people definitely are and i think there was always that talk of like perth desperate that idea of being the next seattle you know perth can be the next seattle that was a dream and um and you know i guess eventually look the next whole next Seattle thing never happened. It never happened anywhere. But there, but, but there were good but bands now, there. It took many years. But like the difference, the difference between the, the Seattle thing, the thing that prevented it from being the next Seattle was Seattle, because you had these bands getting signed to these huge deals off the back of Nirvana, mm. and like. Yeah, the Butthole Surfers were a good band, but I don't think they needed $8 million to make their second record or whatever. You know, those <laughs> sorts of stories were coming around. Yeah. And, um, but, yeah, I remember, like, a, a, a good friend of mine, a guy named Craig Chester, was a Perth guy and he right into music, and he uh, put me onto all these bands, like the Flanders and, like, these, oh, these like, bands that, yeah, that never really kind of went past local but they had an album and they had like one track that was really good probably should have got yeah. radio play and you know those guys, they, I, I felt that was disproportionate there 
than yeah. anywhere else. I think in Sydney, you're like, shit, i got to get a job to afford to live here. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, that's the other thing too back then. You know, um, when I moved out of home in 1996... Should have um, written a song about it, mate. Should have written a song about that. <laughs> <laughs> no, that was a missed opportunity. I was... <laughs> I was um, on the dole, I think, still collecting the dole, and put my. Can you remember week- what it was? I think it was two hundred dollars a week, and that is the most money you can imagine. Like I remember, I remember once someone bumped into my car. I, I had a car around that time, and someone smashed into it, and. They offered me sixteen hundred bucks. They said it's like my car was less than sixteen. That was a write-off price. Yeah, yeah. and I was like. I should go on a holiday. I'm like rich. I had no yeah, job. Yeah. No, yeah, I am yeah. rich. Everything's good. Guys, wait, I'm taking you out for dinner. <laughs> you know? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, I could. I was paying $40 a week for my room for rent in a share house. <sighs> and so, you know, you could actually, and, and this guy's got to a broader thing, but you could actually kind of, survive on the doll and if you were an artist and you were trying mm. to cr- build you know a self a business for yourself or become self-employed um and you know as we all know it can take a couple of years to kind of get s- something like that off the ground you could actually do that and live off the doll so it was actually a, as a as a kind of social service it served a really Im- great important function in um being mm. able to support someone in my position while they got this thing off the ground and it worked, and um, but I you can't I I am imagining that that's just impossible now to do. Like, it is, and I I've always found it as well. Like being a comedian, so I did a lot of stand up um, as well, and I had a lot of friends that were musicians. And one of the things that struck me is how much more expensive your line of work was compared to mine, because. Right. You know, guitars and amps, and yeah. you, you know, you you can't you can't just get on the bus to go to the show like I could. You've got to. There's a whole plan. Someone's got to have a van, and yeah. you know, that was the other thing that I always found kind of yeah, well, I, frightening. I'm definitely, about. definitely envious of that. Like, but more, I used to be envious of like singers in bands that didn't play an instrument because yeah, they didn't. They could always just rock up without any stuff. <laughs> Um, the micro the microphones are provided by the venue, so you literally have to you know yeah. drink a fucking thing, and and then yeah. I was thinking too like and they're like, always the ones with the worst attitude, <laughs> always yes. yeah, and and then and then I was thinking too, it's like oh yeah, and, you know if you were a bit drunk, it wouldn't matter because like the the worst thing about being drunk on stage is the technical part of playing the instrument. That's what fucks up, right? Right. And I was thinking, oh, if all you had to do was sing. Then, like, you wouldn't even have to worry about that. And, like, yeah, you don't have to do any... You don't load, have nothing to load at the end of the gig. Um, I was always like, oh, fuck, that would have been really cool. But then, yeah, you're right. The comedian thing is, like, another step beyond that. And also, too, the other thing I'm envious about comedians is that the, the world of broadcasting is, like, this whole opportunity that comedians... Mm. I mean, comedians are all over the radio and television, um... Mm. There are those opportunities to to go into that world as well as you know the stand up stuff if if that's what you wanted to do. So yeah, and you you kind of get like I imagine you know if you if you're a musician and you also I mean Red Simons is probably the only one that's really kind of <laughs> that I can think of off the top of my 
like there's a lot of musicians on Triple J, but you kind of get typecast like the former footballer. Like I don't, I don't yeah. want to hear what Chris Judd thinks about the US election. But tell me about the West Coast <laughs> trade. You know what I mean? Like I don't, yeah, yeah, and I'm yeah. sure he's got a thought that's you know just as prescient as anyone else's. But because um, you've been doing a bit of, I mean, I've been living in America for about a decade, so I've been out of stuff. But I want to say you've been doing a bit of broadcasty stuff i yeah look i i always say yes when you know if somebody's away or you know it's got to having taking leave and you know i get asked to fill in i always i always say yes but mm. but no it's something that's like it is something that i i've never really gone all in on because kind of like you say i was always worried that like if the if doing radio and stuff like that started to overtake making music and mm. it just if people's perception started to shift, yeah, I guess I yes was always worried that like there might be that chance of just people not seeing you as an artist first and yeah, right. But I mean, to be to kind of talk you off that ledge, this is probably a conversation we could have not recorded, but let's go for it anyway. <laughs> <laughs> but to talk you off that ledge, so to speak, it. It's not like you're going to be on Sky News after dark. Like, it's not like it's going to be a massive <laughs> seismic difference what, from the guy that we imagine. <laughs> I, I would, I would love to see, I would love to see you as a political firebrand. I would, I, I think. Look, I think if if I was ever going to be a political commentator on TV, I think Sky News would be perfect because it would. Um, I mean, that would be entertaining, right? I mean, imagine you. So all of a sudden, there's like some sort of Triple J uh, music '90s musician that suddenly appears on Sky News. I think Just that would be lesbians shouldn't be allowed to vote. And another thing, <laughs> <laughs> we need we need a list of everyone who's ever seen a Stanley Kubrick film. I don't trust them. Like that kind of shit. <laughs> <laughs> I think that would be. I think that would be pretty entertaining. Oh man, I would watch. I would watch every episode, every single episode. Just you and Alan Jones. <laughs> Alan, I have to disagree. I don't think he loves the country. I think he really loves the country. <laughs> so, you're tell us about America because I'm always. If ever I get a chance to speak to somebody who's kind of got a front row seat to what's going on, I mean, between COVID and the election what is it like being in america at the moment and i know that's a really broad question but no yeah um, and no, you've been, been there for a long time so. it's funny man it's like where so i i got here how have i been i got here in two, so coming up to eight years i've been here and um when I got here, you know, Obama was the president and things were going on and then obviously Trump got in in 2016. And one of the things that I found in during the, the halfway through the Trump presidency, which I'd never heard anyone say to me, like American friends of mine were like, yeah, but you can go home. And it was the first time I'd kind of heard Americans consider not living in America. And, and I, I live, man, I, I live in Brooklyn, New York in a very kind of, hippy dippy kind of little bubble of you know it's very blue so to speak and i'd never but, but yeah. even then i'd never heard anyone kind of thinking in that way so and th and th and then <clears throat> so that was something that i i noticed a few years back and then um and that and that's funny that the most common question is like what's america like and um <laughs> I, I, a friend of mine 
is she's just gone back to Australia. She she lives um around the corner and um my mother was talking to her and she she said something to my mum which I hadn't thought of. She goes it's really weird not to be scared. Like she was in quarantine. She goes, and I didn't realize how nervous I had been until I got to a place where I didn't have to be nervous anymore. And I feel wow. like when she said that, I kind of stopped and really took stock and was, it, it's been a really draining 12 months here because of COVID. Because like, like man, there were, like there weren't race riots, but there was definitely a lot of racially charged tension on my street. Like, um, you know, people smashing up windows and, and, and things like that. And, and this was, uh, you know, while COVID was going on. So there was a lot of like, it's just a really dense emotional time for want of a better term. Like it's just, just lay it on so thick, every single thing. And then when you look to the leadership, which is, which is something that I didn't really realize we do until you are looking for it. Like we do need mm. someone's hand on the wheel at some stage. And when that person isn't there or those people aren't there, and not only do they not have their hand on the wheel, they're actually trying to kick the wheel so it spins more violently and the thing goes because it's in their interest because they own the the lifeboat contract. This analogy is getting away from me, but... <laughs> 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 but, but do you know what I mean? But it's been really weird to look for leadership and there is none. So that's where and, – and that's what it's been like. There's been a vacuum of leadership here um, on a federal level, so we look for it anywhere. And, and that's why you're seeing people like, let's see what Bill Gates thinks. And it's not because – they think Bill Gates has answers. They just want a sensible person talking mm. sense, you know. Um, that's what I what, – what's what's your perception of it? Like, because you, you're in Victoria, so you had a big lockdown. Um, yeah. And now there is no COVID. We, we had we, – man, we're losing, we're losing a 9-11 a day here. Just think about it's, that. I, I know. It, well, this is the thing. Like, I <clears> – <throat> my perspective is – like I have just sort of been in this kind of low level of, I guess, shock for quite a few mm. years. Like, and I think I'm always, uh, and I'm sure I'm not the only one that feels this way. There's a bit of a sense of disbelief. It takes me a little while to kind of catch up to to what's actually happening because it has to break reality has to break through this kind of layer of disbelief that I have of like this, is this really happening? Um, and obviously, you know, with Donald Trump winning the, um, the last presidential election, I guess was the real start of it. But, um, you know, after a couple of years kind of got, got used to the idea, um, and accepted that that was actually happening. But this year, yeah, like there's been a lot, like I was having a conversation with a, a, a uh, he's my actually my, my music publisher at Sony. Um, <clears throat> so he'd be in his fifties, very well travelled, very intelligent, corporate kind of kind of guy who isn't has never ever been prone to you know telling tall stories or over exaggerating things. And we were chatting on the phone during the, earlier in the year, and you know America came up, and and he you know sort of said um, that you know they're edging towards you know that could be a civil war 
And when he said that, I was my initial reaction was that's that's nuts. Like, what are you talking? Civil war? Like, yeah. how is that even possible? And I, but and afterwards, and it really shook me. I was like, wow, if you're you're somebody whose opinion I really respect and who you know, you know, is in a good position to kind of make these kind of calls, I guess. And I was shocked that that was even a consideration. But then. You know, I, like I said, it, it took me a few weeks to kind of catch up to the notion that, yeah, like the, the division that is so on display over there. Um, and, and obviously, you know, Civil War, I guess, would look a little bit different than it looked last time around. Um, but that's, I just found that sort of stuff shocking, you know, to hear. Yeah. And that's that's what it's been. It's just been one just shock after shock after shock in a way. And... I did this little doc series um, where I went around and interviewed people at various political events in the lead up to the 2016 election. So I went to the Republican convention, which is where they announce their nominee after they say, oh, Kevin's going to be the guy running for us. I went to the Democratic one. I went to Trump's inauguration. Um, I watched the debates with like the, um, the guy that this guy who was part of the alt-right at the time and we ended up going to a, a taping for the head of the Proud Boys. Like, like the, these these types of people. And we were talking, we were asked by a few people to kind of go out and do it again. And we eventually said no because at the time it was funny because Donald Trump couldn't win. He was never going to win. Look at these knuckleheads. Can you believe what they're yeah. saying? This is ridiculous. Yeah. Then they won. And then yeah. those people are now so much more empowered. Um, it's and and the idea of like division as your identity that is really. I mean, it's just, it, like you said, it's something you've got to try to get your head around. It's, it's 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 the funny thing about this is five years ago, even having this conversation is science fiction. Five years mm. ago, it's science fiction mm. that Donald Trump is the president. That you that that there's you know a guy man like don't forget george floyd in all this the guy got killed on television mm. it and and it, it's just it's mind-boggling yeah it, it really is mind-boggling what's the sort of best case scenario say for the next six months in your opinion um from where we are at right now um because i mean it looks more and more like trump will um, you know, he's not going to barricade himself in the White House, or maybe he will. Fuck, who, who the fuck knows what's going to happen? I mean, <laughs> I can't. I I should give up predicting. But what do you? What is? What What do you think is we the can, best case scenario? Firstly, we can re-record this after the uh, inauguration so that we can say that you picked it. <laughs> Just like, yeah, yeah. So yeah. when he plugs himself in the, um, <laughs> my opinion is that. We're placing undue stress on January 1, and and that's not just America. But this idea that, fuck 2020, bring on 2021, COVID doesn't have a calendar. It's not just going to go because the ball dropped at Times Square. Like, that's not going to happen. So there's going to be a hangover of that. There's also going to be, you know, a series of bad faith lawsuits that will continue on in this country. I think um, Biden, and and that's the other thing as well, is Biden becoming president at the end of January. That that's not a panacea for what's been going on. Like it's it's mm. 
you've got kids, it is so much easier to make the mess than it is to clean it up. And that's where we're at. We've had children there. So this is going to be a long way coming. And, you know, there's been, there's been pretty, look, I think pretty well-founded accusations that McConnell is trying to tank the economy deliberately so that that's mm. what is going to take up most of Biden's time as, as in, you know, in his first term as president. And, 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 and that's, the other, that's the other thing that hasn't really been a big talking point for good reason because you've got the former president refusing to accept the results of an election coupled with a global pandemic that we haven't seen in a century. Um, but Biden can only be a one-term president. Yeah. So then there's that is going to be coupled on. So the campaigning is going to start like, yeah, yeah it's, it, it's, it's, not, it's not just going to clean up. But the, the, the optimist in me, the optimist and the cynic are both saying America will be fine because yeah. it's too much money at stake. I, and I, I feel like I'm getting into kind of tinfoil hat here territory, but the, the, idea, the idea that these people go, well, we had a good run. See you later, Coca-Cola. We're going to go to Europe. <laughs> like, that's not happening. <laughs> <laughs> what about like, your, like the health? Um, because we're here in Victoria, um, you know, we're still required to wear masks outdoors oh sorry indoors uh we don't mm. have to wear them outdoors anymore that was mandated for oh it was about three months or something um by dictator dan the jackbooted oh. <laughs> <laughs> oh, i tell you oh, look one of the what of the kind of things that i well i guess there's a lot that i didn't expect has happened this year but um one thing i i really 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 never expected was to um be made aware of who so many of state liberal party members are in victoria because previous to this year i had no idea who any of them were um and now like so like they've all been like uh you know sort of sticking their head out and it turns out they're all a bunch of Fucking dickheads! Um, I, and it, re- it reminds me of this. Reminds me of this joke a friend of mine told and uh, had on. She put it on Twitter. She said, uh, "She said the Australian Prime Minister's name is Tony Abbott. I live in America and know that. That's how bad he is." Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> exactly. Well, that's that so great. that's that is what's happening in Victoria. It's like you know when people, even people who are. Yeah, I mean, look, there's so much happened. I mean, the the amount of people from outside of Victoria who were just like relentlessly opinion, you know, throwing their opinions out there, bashing the Dan Andrews, bashing the government. I mean, it was just, it was just so much noise. It was deafening. Mm. And mm. I think as a Victorian, I just felt like saying, telling everyone just to shut the fuck up, and. Just let's just fucking do this. And if you don't live in Victoria, I don't care what you think. <laughs> That's what it got to. That's how it got to because it was just it was just relentless and it was overbearing. Um, but we've got was it, was it real? Oh. Like the the thing that sorry to cut you off. The the thing that I've have been finding frustrating here and 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 you know globally to be to be fair is. I find that a lot of this stuff like this, he's a dictator and man, my friend, I, I feel like it's so insincere. It's yeah. just there to score political points. That, that people yeah. don't actually believe this, but they're just saying it because, well, there's a weakness there. Yeah, and, and they probably, and they're not as invested in it as they as yeah. look. So like, you know, now, like, it's like all those 
people that were saying that now it's like oh i guess they've just changed they've now they've moved on to something else and like absolutely that whole dictator yeah. thing, but that was like months ago i was like oh i don't really give a care about that anymore so oh, yeah, you, not, you you wait I, and i tell you what if if i was dan andrews and I wanted to get people back, and this is very cynical, but if I wanted to get those people off my back, I'd have Hannah Mautzi re, um, reapply for the AFLW draft because they, they, they would not be able to handle two things at once and they'd be, there's a <laughs> trans woman wanting to play women's... Oh, here we go. Yes. And that's where, that's where your Sky After Dark show, like you would be torn in those production meetings. <laughs> like I've only got an hour to yell about something. Bump COVID. <laughs> Bump it. Get, <laughs> get me a bone density expert on the field. Right? On the, I need to speak to them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we're we're moving we're moving kind of out of out of that now, and so yeah, so I mean there is definitely yeah. So what was I? What was my original line of thought? Oh, the mask wearing, right? So yeah, no, we don't have to wear masks mm. and stuff anymore. So I was going to ask you what, and I guess you can only really speak for what's happening in New York. America's a big place, um, mm. but. Are, are people wearing masks? What are people everywhere? What, what? What? So, and is that mandatory? Like, what are the what are the laws? I don't know if it's and stuff? mandatory. Like, like that that's been one of the big issues I, that I I have seen is that there's been a real like a lack of um, direction, and as a result, people are kind of filling it in themselves. So, at the moment, you can dine indoors at twenty five percent, but not like none of our friends are. Um, outdoor dining, it's too cold. Like it snowed today in, uh, right. in New York. So outdoor dining's kind of off. So, but yeah, you wear a mask everywhere. You walk out the door, you wear a mask. Um, to go into supermarkets or anything, you've got to wear a mask. And, you know, we've all seen the mobile phone footage of people screaming in hardware stores about how their rights are being impugned and stuff. But mm. um, here it is. And, and you kind of look at people that don't wear masks a bit sideways yeah there's that kind of that's the kind of the attitude um yeah but i i i really feel one of the one of the big problems is not one of the big problems is the vaccine but one of the problems associated with the vaccine is that it becomes it becomes the the last week of school before the summer holidays and the teacher's desperate to try to keep teaching you but you've checked the fuck out and that is, yeah. I, I'm, I'm worried that that's going to happen um, because it's, it's what, what was it? it was, what was 100,000 a day of being diagnosed? I think, and what, what are the deaths in America? Are, what, are two, are they almost two hundred fifty quarter of a million. Yeah. So, yeah. And, 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 and one of the, and this is the other thing is there's a lot of bad faith kind of, and, and when I say bad faith, I'm, I, I don't mean, they're necessarily lying, but the the way in which they're presenting certain statistics isn't is exacerbating it. And and by that I mean, you know, you, well, this thing's got a ninety nine percent survival rate. To which you would counter, if I was to present you a bowl of M and M's with a hundred M and M's in it, and I said one of them's definitely going to kill you. Mm. How many M and M's you eating? Yeah. You know, like yeah. it's the, it's the, it's it's the way in which it's being presented isn't. I, I think it's really really unfair, and and you know you hear now you're starting to hear these tragic stories of of people. Um, there was a, a a Georgian, 
I want to say Georgia, but a, a pretty well-known lawmaker who passed away and his last words were, we got this wrong. You got to warn it. I mean, oh, imagine di- of all the hills oh, to God. die on. Yeah. Are people, tra- are people allowed to, I mean, we should move on from COVID at some point, but are people allowed to travel around? Like, state? are, are there any border closures or any things like that? Because no, we've had a lot of nothing. that. Nothing. Yeah. Nothing. Nothing at all, yeah. Nothing. Yeah, yeah. And, and, and the thing is as well is that there's also like while there is like if you've come from one of these states into New York State, you've got a quarantine. It's not like in Australia where, you know, two Germans don't get on the bus. The whole country shuts down. <laughs> it's just like it's just like, hey, you, you, you made a promise. Now, yeah. you may have killed 12 people. But there's nothing we can do, and that's it. That's it. That's the and that, and you're not even having that conversation. It's it's really it's it's been it's such a like, you know, it's Australia and New Zealand are the envy of the of the world really at the moment, and it's because of the things that people were railing against, you know. And mm. this is the thing that's mm. been annoying me about the Australian commentary is the very people that were saying this is bullshit. We should be able to play footy and whoa, what's going on with the borders closes and so on, are the exact same people that are going. This is what you get in the lucky country. This is what you get when you're black. And you're like, mate, where were no, you no. six weeks ago? Yeah, I, I know. Yeah, yeah. There is a yeah. There's definitely a lack of consistency going on with some of the. Just put it lightly. That's your big knock on COVID. Just the lack of consistency amongst right wing messaging. <laughs> <laughs> um, a million I'm, people. I'm died. Kevin Mitchell. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm Kevin Mitchell. It's actually not a bad right wing talk talk show name, isn't it? <laughs> I'm Kevin Mitchell. And the following people should be hung. <laughs> hanged. Sorry, uh, hanged. I know there's some, some grammar hung. pedants that are... Uh, isn't that... The, I, I had this as a joke once, which I never did, but I'm going to do it on this podcast. And it's very offensive, and I, and I apologise. But I was thinking... <laughs> I was thinking, like, the, the worst grammar correction you could ever have is uh, it's actually hanged. And I always thought that would be such a great joke, like that someone is <laughs> being told such horrible news and the only thing they can think of is... Um... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Let's talk about music. Um, uh, let's, do, let's do three, three songs. Um, have you got a... Have you, did, did you decide on a theme? I did. I came up with a theme. So I turned 40 this year and um, yeah, well, it was in lockdown. So nothing really happened. Um, uh, So do you know what I did? Is I drank. (laughs) That's that's like as if turning 40 wasn't already like caused for a bit of depression. That's like, oh, you haven't even heard how I celebrated, pal. (laughs) I, 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 I drank gin. And ate oh, yeah. Indian takeaway while watching um, the Guy Ritchie move, movie, um, The Gentleman. Was it the latest one he did? So no, got um, sure. who's in it? Matthew McConaughey, a, 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 a rejuvenated Matthew McConaughey. Didn't he turn it around? True Detective really <laughs> changed his life, didn't it? <laughs> <laughs> he's, he's, well, he's a very attractive man. 
He's a very attractive man, but they made him ugly. They put a shirt on him, and next thing you know, he's got an Oscar. Like what? <laughs> that's going to be that's it's such summer of George, like just going against every instinct you have, and next thing you know. <laughs> um, so my theme was because I've always been a, 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 a very, very um, almost humorless student and fan of music. Um, <laughs> <laughs> that I, I wanted to look back through the decades and try to pick the person who I wanted to be, you know, because we look at musicians. So I, I, I'm doing my teens, 20s and 30s. I love this. I, lo- I, loved, I just want to say I love this theme. This is a, this is a brilliant theme. It's one of my favourite themes. That oh, good. Excellent. Um, so, well, let's just do it one by one. So, yeah, if we want to start with your... Do you want to start with your... We might as well go in chronological yeah, order. Let's go chronologically. So the first one was was um, Johnny Rotten, and yeah. uh, and the song that I chose is Bodies from. Um, I mean, you know what it's it's like. That was. It. I was as a teenager, I, I, I was suckered into buying all of those bad faith EMI, you know, compilations and, um, you know, they, 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 they kept trying to repackage that one album as many times as they possibly could right. to eke as much yeah. money out of Nevermind the Bollocks as they could. Um, right. You know, there was always a, a live version thrown on the end yes. of something. And, um, yeah, yeah. But yeah, I, I, I remember just falling in love with that band because they were so naughty. Like, and I, 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 I've yeah. always thought that if I was, if I was 10 years uh, younger, it probably would have been like 50 Cent or someone, you know, someone they just didn't play by right. the rules. They just didn't care. Um, and that song is such a weird one because. I can't tell. It feels like it's a, it's like I, I actually don't particularly care for the subject matter, but it's um which is which is abortion, and I I, I get the feeling it's they they were such the thing I really found interesting about the those guys, Johnny Rotten in particular was they were so young and you can see that in that they didn't actually believe in anything they just wanted to piss people off yeah so yeah. you know what I mean like like so that that abortion thing was. It's it's both anti and pro abortion, just to piss off every side. You know? <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, what do you make of the sort of? I mean, obviously, I, I, he, the Sex Pistols were heavily kind of stylized, and the whole Malcolm McLaren kind of, mm. you know, manufactured thing. Like, I mean, what were? 
I, I, I don't know. Like, it feels like history... There's a lot of different kind of angles on the Sex Pistols. and um, Which is part of the reason why I love them, that mm. that that thing. Because at, at their heart, they were the Spice Girls. Really, <laughs> weren't they? Like, they were yeah, like see, the monkeys, you know. like Yeah, and that's a, like, that's a really, still for me, is a really hard concept to get my head around. But, but yeah, absolutely. I, follow, I totally follow that, that line of thought. Um, you c- yeah, I mean, yeah. I, I was introduced to the Sex Pistols from my older brother. Um, so, yeah, I would have been in my re- very early teens, I guess, uh, barely a teenager when I first heard them. And, yeah, and he loved it. And it's exactly the same reason. It's like, you know, punk, that music was created, and, and this was affecting us too, like, you know, more than a decade after it actually happened. So the music really mm. kind of, it still served that same purpose. It didn't just work in 1977 or whatever. Um but yeah, at that age, I mean, punk music, I mean, it's, it's, it's just designed for teenagers, isn't it? I mean, it, it's, it's made for um, that age of, you know, because it's, it's fast, it's catchy. Um, it's, it's easy to play uh, if you want to try rebellious. yourself. It's really easy to play. So yeah, I mean, you couldn't package together. Well, I guess, yeah, I, I just think you couldn't package together a better kind of uh, a product to consume for teenagers and punk rock. Yeah, and and the other thing. And is I'm well Kevin is Mitchell. I'm Kevin Mitchell. <laughs> <laughs> and the following groups should go to jail. <laughs> I could. Oh, no. I, I, I could redo. I could redo that famous, um, the famous Sex Pistols interview uh, on that British television show. You know where I, I can't remember the name of the host. But they oh, were, you know, name? Sw- um, swearing. Oh, I can't remember. Oh, yeah, they swore. Um, oh, yeah, and they had those. Wait, do you know who was who was on set for that? Was Susie Sue? Yes, yeah, yeah. She's then yeah. standing sort of in the back. There was a bunch of people just standing around, yeah, and she was, yeah, so I remember hearing um, about that. Bill Grundy. That resurfaced. Oh, was it? Okay. Mm. Well, it resurfaced. It resurfaced online just a few days ago. I'm not sure why, but... um. I don't know if it they was pop up every or now or and then, don't they? Like yeah. they. Uh, yeah. So I, I ended up having a, a bit of a, an odd Johnny Rotten experience. Um, he used to live around. The, I used to live in the East Village, and he, um, he lived just around the corner from me, and I'd see him around all the time. But one day, one day, so there was this. There was a, there was a big hawk that was living in the East Village of um, Manhattan, which. Would it would live on like air conditioners and stuff, and these, it was massive. Oh, wow. This thing, it was really big. And I was at Tompkins <laughs> Square Park, and I was walking through. I was going up to meet a friend, and I, I was walking through, and the hawk was around, and all these dog. There's a dog run there in this park, and it's like so. Yeah. You've got like you've got like a busker, and you've got some kids smoking a joint after school, and you've got there's a flat part where all the skateboarders would be, and there'd be just a lot of people just sitting outside and. Um, there'd always be like some hacky sack and you know just and, yeah. and then and then like the crust punks who lived in the park were there and so and I'm walking through and it was really bustling and stuff but everyone's kind of looking up kind of like we do during magpie season like where the fuck are they and, like, <laughs> everyone, and everyone kind of felt anyway out of nowhere just as I'm walking this woman is walking this tiny dog in front of me and this massive hawk comes down and tries to swoop 
down to oh, grab the dog as lunch. And the woman turns around at the right time and she scoops up the dog and the bird pisses off. And the bird did that classic thing where it just went and chilled on a branch like, oh, <laughs> this is embarrassing. You thought I was trying to kill your dog. No, <laughs> if I had a dollar. Like the, the bird tried to play it cool. And I've watched this whole scene. And you know when you see something weird like someone getting splashed by a bus puddle and stuff, you just make eye contact with the person near you being like, you saw that, right? And I kind of make <laughs> eye contact with just the first person I saw. And the person looked at me like, that was a bit weird. And I was like, that was a bit weird. And I was like, oh, you're a bit Johnny Rotten. And that was <laughs> Johnny Rotten and I had that moment <laughs> together where we both nearly saw a woman's chihuahua get snatched. <laughs> well, he would have, well, he would have also probably copped two looks. We got the original look and then just got the start of your next look, which was the look of like, of being aware that it was uh, John Lydon. I've I've got to say the second look was one he looked more comfortable with. Like, <laughs> I think he was used to that second. Used to that oh, one. the yeah, public yeah. image book, yeah. But yeah, I, I find them <laughs> such a such a weird band and I, I, I do love the mental gymnastics that's gone into saying, well, the whole thing was an art piece and Vivian Westwood was the, you know, um, when at its heart they were... You know, they were just four dickheads who didn't want to get a job, and and so they <laughs> they found themselves, and they found themselves in the middle of this maelstrom, and it was all the stories around them that I was really impressed by. Yeah. But also, I you know, I was a I you know I, I was a singer in a high school band, and we used to do Sex Pistols covers and and stuff cool. like that. So there was a lot well, of that's a lot great of that song. Man. It was very not cool. <laughs> there's some really really great songs. Um, and I guess Are they the good idea- musically? Like, like, I, and I ask you this as someone who doesn't have a musical bone. Like, are, are they? Are they? Because you know, you hear people go, "Oh, we did a cover of Hit Me Baby One More Time' by Britney Spears as a joke, and we ended up like it was really well written." Like, yeah, yeah. Are any yeah. of them like that? Like, I look. Um, I think no. Yeah, I think that there's. I think songs like the. You know the ones that everybody knows. Got to save the queen and um, stuff like that. They're really great power pop songs. You know, punk rock songs. Yeah. Um, um, just you know, and it's like Ramones or like Ratcat or you know, they're I Clinger. They're, yeah. Hey, Clinger, the underrated oh. uh, band. Oh, cl- Do you remember Clinger? <laughs> I well, I definitely remember the name, but I jeez, I couldn't name a song. They had a song called Acne and Peroxide, and they had another one. They had, a, they had an EP called Grimshaw Street. They had a song which was um, uh, "Hello, Cruel World," and they were, were really they being, were they being played on Triple J when you were uh, when you were there? No, not when I was there. They were played on Triple J when I was delivering pizzas. Hello, oh, okay. <laughs> cruel world. I'm taking over now. Taking over now. And it, it started off with um, uh, from St Kilda to Watsonia North. It's fourteen. Like it was, you know, it was really kind of in stuff. I, I really liked him. And I want to say he Ben. I'm sure someone will correct us on Twitter or something. But um, ended up doing something at Triple R, having a show on Triple R. Okay. Anyway, yeah, that's yeah. But yeah, that's got. <laughs> but no, Sorry. I think I think there's. Uh, but getting back to the song, I think they are. They're they're good songs that were on that on Nevermind the Bollocks. They're really classic songs, and um, 
and I guess that you know people used to say I mean I guess the idea wasn't to be to present them perfectly um you know lots of people have talked about how terrible they were as a band and some of them couldn't really play their instruments or whatever but Mm. um you know I guess I think that was just part of the whole that was part of the vibe anyway but um no, they're good. There's good songs. I, I would totally well, stand behind "God Save the Queen," uh, "Anarchy in the UK." Um, pretty vague. Um, I mean, "Holidays in the Sun" was um, "Holidays in the Sun." You know, yeah, pretty. Oh, no, sad, pretty no. amazing. <laughs> I, I think one of the things I think one of the things I I, I love I love the music the stories around music and the that the Manchester gig where. Um, you know it, who was there? It was like the Buzzcocks and uh, the Fall and uh, Joy Division. They all met each other at that show and formed bands, having seen them before. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's pretty cool. Um, um, right. All right, so let's go. Uh, so that was teens. So let's go twenties. What's your twenties song? Twenties is Tom York yeah. from Radiohead. And yeah. uh, the song would be Idiotech. <laughs> Into, which was off uh, okay, Kid A. Uh, Kid A. Oh, yeah. Kid A, sorry. Yeah, right. Yeah. Um, so I... Um, if you can't be artistic, pretend. So I did a lot of... I had, I had a very, <laughs> very <laughs> muddled 20s where, you know, reading a lot of Naomi Klein books and things like right. that. Right, yes. <laughs> we all, we did, all you, did it, you know. Has any of it... Has any of it uh, what, what stuck? Any of it stick... Well, and uh, that you uh, kept carried carried through to your life today? No, I'm not sure. I, no, no, nothing. Sadly, I don't think anything. <laughs> None of it. You just everything. Everything you're wearing is like fully branded. You know, you're 
no, you'll, you'll see there's no, never been a logo in my uh, <laughs> any of my shows or anything. Um, yeah, I, I, and I still, by far and away, my favourite band, uh, Radiohead, and I yeah. really like what he does. And well, Do you have a favourite band? Did you have a... Ah, man, it's hard. I... Dude, how funny would it be if it, oh, it's going to sound arrogant, but Jebediah. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely Jebs. Also, like, um, uh, um, Davey Lane from uh, UMI, he, so he's told me, he, he's, he's t- told me lots of funny stories about Liam Gallagher. One of, one of the funny Liam Gallagher quotes that he's told me is, um, uh, he goes, um, you know, the best, you know, Brit- Britain has made the best bands in the world. I'm not, I'm terrible at doing accents, but... Um, it's like the best bands in the world, you know, Beatles, Stones, Oasis, The Who. Puts him above Just in number three, just you know, <laughs> in between the Stones and the Who, Oasis. <laughs> I I used He's to love no whenever they. He's got when, no problem with it. <laughs> whenever whenever they'd promote, Fact. whenever they'd be promoting a record, they'd be like. This is the best British rock album since definitely maybe. <laughs> That's they say it every time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you gotta love it. You gotta love it. Um, if I had to, I mean, I'd probably have to say the Beatles just because of the sheer um, the catalogue. I mean, there's just so much great stuff um, mm. over a fairly short amount of time. But they made a lot of records and a lot of great songs that I love. But um. So, yeah, I mean, but it's kind of like, it doesn't mean I listen to the Beatles all the time. It's, um, yeah, you know, so it's a... What's your favourite record? My favourite Beatles record? Uh, Or favourite record of anyone? No, Beatles Beatles album, Beatles album. Um, Well, again, that changes. The first one that I... The the album that made me fall in love with the Beatles was Rubber Soul. Okay. Um, That was kind of... That was my... Because I sort of... I was... The way that I got into the Beatles was, I'm sorry, we're supposed to be talking about Radiohead, so I'll keep this quick. But no, that's all right. I, I kind of, I really dismissed the early Beatles records. You know, She Loves You and, uh, yeah, like, I was kind of like, oh, those songs, I've heard them a million times. They don't interest me to listen to. Mm. Um, uh, and then Rubber Soul, I guess, was when it kind of clicked of like, ah, you know, there's this, there's the second half of their catalogue. And so once I... Got into Rubber Soul, then I want to say Revolver. though, Revolver. I really like Revolver. But it's funny those albums. Like the one that I fell in love with when I was, I would have been a teenager, was um, Sergeant Pepper's, and I just thought this yeah. was such a wild record. And, 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 but it's funny, like, and you say, oh well, Revolver. That's like that's the album, and and Rubber Soul, and the, those records. They still had some pretty like straight up and down cheesy 60s pop songs like Drive My Car and like, you, you know, those sorts of things are still yeah. on there next to the more what I, what I would as a, as a layman would call the more complex, like more interesting songs. Yeah. But I guess that's why those two records, they're the transition records, I suppose. Right, kind of right. Of, and I suppose that's why they hold – well, that's maybe one of the reasons why they hold so much interest because that – it was that was the moment where they were change, where they were transforming and they were starting to, and then you know like you know the albums like the White Album, you know, it's kind of 
it's got some great stuff on it. It's also got some shit on it as well. It's kind of, it's pretty patchy. Um, it's what it's what we right say in comedy. We we refer to that. It, it was a shit, not a piss. You you, yeah. you want to be you want to be quick up there. <laughs> <laughs> and then right towards the end, before they broke up, they were kind of turning into a kind of dirty kind of rock band again. You know, they 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 were they weren't sort of they'd lost a lot of the kind of you know flower power hippie stuff and they were just yeah. kind of turning and i really like that stuff you know like um that they were getting into which i guess is around sort of abbey road and um well i mean spare let, me the sitar you can fucking keep <laughs> <laughs> yeah asking fuck off sorry george we love you but we do love you this is this is the sound of your sitar fucking being stepped on <laughs> Being crushed. What's the, well, what's, the, what's, the, what's the difference between a trampoline and a sitar? You take your shoes off to jump on a trampoline. <laughs> <laughs> that joke was originally about banjo. So, um. <laughs> but what? So, what about Radiohead? Tell me, tell me more about Radiohead. So, so I um, really, is Kid A, yeah. is Kid A your favorite Radiohead record? Kid A is my favorite Radiohead album. Yeah. Um, and again, that's one of those things that kind of changes in terms of, you know, how much I listen to them. But the thing I really liked about them was they they started off obviously with that the the big hit creep, which was they yeah. could have been another one of those nineties bands that got signed in the halo of um Seattle. Uh, totally. And the, they could have been they, Shed Seven. <laughs> The, you know, the criminally, or, the or criminally or underrated cool shaker. <laughs> oh, was that your place? Your hand? No, that was Reef. Um, Reef. Yeah, yeah, all those. Oh, yeah, could have uh, Cooler Shaker. Okay, so here's a fun fact about Cooler Shaker. Their lead okay. singer Crispin. His mother yes. is Haley Mills, who was yes. um, Pollyanna. Was that the? She I was remember, in a big film. Yeah, she was a well-known actress. But yeah, yeah, I, I do remember kind of hearing that around the time. Um, it was now that was one of the that was one of the fallouts from Triple J is you'd get a, a playlist and it'd have a little fact about the band yes, or someone I've in the seen band. Those, yeah. And and as a result, that one fact would get set you know, if you're on high rotation, people are hearing that fact kind of five times a day. <laughs> so what would be the one what what would be the one that you'd find next to Jebediah? Would it be Perth? Uh, well, it depend. You might be touring you know, for Triple J at that time. You know, oh, on the yeah, site, right. on the you know, the, you know, on a tour or, um, or I, I were, yeah, there'd be some dates or there might be a bit of, um, you know, the lead singer of this band uh, is also the guy responsible for this song, and then a bit of Bob Evans. You'd kind of, you might do it. Right. You might do a little. <laughs> you might do a little double play. <laughs> um, but getting back, getting back to Radiohead, though, mm. don't you think that Kid, you know, that Kid A, your favorite Radiohead record, is kind of serves a similar kind of, it kind of does a similar thing as you know, your Rubber Soul and Revolver. In the Kid A was Absolutely. the record yeah. where Radiohead turned into the next thing that they became you know mm. okay computer was kind of like their last traditional kind of rock record and kid a was the beginning of this more experimental phase and so well, you know you know I maybe think, that, so there's the something exciting about that i think there's something really exciting well so so to that point the 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 thing that always excited me was that so they did they did creep and the record company said hey give us 10 more creeps that'd be great and they went and did the bends and then yeah. they said Give us the bends too. 
and they came back with OK Computer, which at the time was just so weird. Like it was such a wild, mm. like you know, they were you know paranoid Android, but you know, like fit a happy, just weird stuff. They said, mm. "Give us, give us OK Computer too." And they went into the studio, and this is one of my favorite quotes in in music: is they went into the studio for Kid A. They had three hundred and sixty five studio days. Took them years wow. to make this thing. And someone said, why were you in the studio for so long? I think it was Johnny Greenwood said, well, Kid A is Radiohead's cocaine album. The problem is no one in Radiohead does cocaine. So no one had the confidence to say, that's a good track. We should keep it. (laughs) 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 And so then... Because they've put out another record very soon after. So they kind of made two records, right? That's right, Amnesiac. So they had all this material because they were in there for so long and then Amnesiac came out, which had, um, I mean, just some amazing songs on it as well. And uh, and then they had a, a, a bit of a break and Hail to the Thief was kind of that return to um, to that more traditional rock mm. sound. But it never got back to what it was. And that's the thing, like, the, the, nor should it, you know, you want to keep... yeah. Moving forward, um, but I think the thing that the, the thing that it speaks to me about is, and it, there's very few acts. I mean, you can speak to this better than I can, but it seems like there's very few acts that are given the freedom to just go and do something. You know what mm. I mean? Like without having, particularly at that level, like where you know a, a Radiohead at their peak, that can make or break a record label internationally. Like, like this has yeah, stock yeah. market implications. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. it's a big deal. Yeah. So to be able to 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 know, and they know that, and to still go in and go, hey, put the guitar away. Let's do some bleeps and bloops for the next two hours. <laughs> like, yeah. fucking hell. Yeah, that's balls, right? It is. It's super ballsy. Now I've got heaps. Of, I don't listen to a lot of Radiohead these days, but I, you know, I've got loads of respect for them. I think um, as a band, have yeah, totally just fucking done whatever the fuck they wanted and and yeah also and really prevailed um mm. especially yeah like you said coming from that first album which you know pablo honey was their first album i i loved that record when it was out um i loved that version of radiohead um as well it was the only it was the only album of theirs that you can say of where you could kind of get within three years what album what if you played it to someone go what year do you reckon this was released you go oh, uh, mid to early nineties, like yeah, yeah. all their other stuff. You'd be oh fuck, I don't know. Like who knows when that came out? Yeah, yeah. I think the the Benz and OK Computer, I think, are two of two of the greatest rock albums you know yeah. ever made. I think they're both outstanding. Um, let's get to your uh, third song. So we're into the we're entering your thirties now. Who are you trying to be in your thirties? Jay Z. And not and not because <laughs> And I thought this, Tom York was gonna be a stretch. <laughs> this is, yeah. So there's a few there's a few issues. Beyonce notwithstanding. But I, I, I kinda like like the Jay Z the, 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 the song I is a public service announcement from the Black Album. It's just a public service announcement sponsored by Just Blaze and the good folks at Rockefeller Records. It is with the utmost pride and sincerity that I present this recording as a living testament and recollection of history in the making during our generation. Allow me to reintroduce myself. My name is Ho, oh, H to the O-V. I used to move snowflakes by the O-Z. I guess even back then 
can call me CEO of the ROC Ho, fresh out the frying pan into the fire I be the music biz number one supplier Flyer than a piece of paper bearing my name Got the hottest chick in the game wearing my chain That's right, ho, not DOC But similar to them letters, no one could do it better I check cheddar like a food inspector My homie Strick told me, dude, finish your breakfast So that's what I'ma do, take you back to the dude with the Lexus Fast forward the jewels and the necklace Let me tell you dudes what I do to protect us Shoot at you actors like movie directors <laughs> Say the movie, dogs. Now, before I finish, let me just say I did not come here to show out Did not come here to impress you Because to tell you the truth, when I leave here, I'm gone And I don't care what you think about me But just remember when it hits the fan, brother, whether it's next year, 10 years, 20 years from now, you'll never be able to say that these brothers lied to you, Jack. Thing ain't lie. I done came through the block and everything that's fly. I'm like Che Guevara with bling on. I'm complex. I never claim to have wings on. Nigga, I get my by any means on. Whenever there's a drought, get your umbrellas out because that's when I brainstorm. You can blame I really I like him because he's kind of goofy. Like Jay Z's pretty corny, and yeah. and 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 there's some and I like that he doesn't care. He's just he's just him, and he's he's just doing his thing. And now at the point, and you know, it's it's to do with my age as well. It's like, you know what? I'm at the age now where I would really like to drive a nice car. I don't care. I, 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 I've <laughs> yeah, yeah. given up on that. Like, yeah. I it's not my sole motivator, but. Uh, yeah, give me a leather seat. That sounds good. Like I'd like a nice watch, you know. And that's yeah, kind of yeah. where he's at now. Like, and and I think that as an artist as well, he's someone that kind of, um, you know, whether whether you like it or not, he, he's someone that kind of stuck to his guns. He prevailed, and was and and is now in this position where he just kind of picks and chooses what he does, and he kind of he's he's quite a behind the scenes kind of advocate advocate for a lot of different groups like he's really hot on like uh you know young athletes being exploited you know heading into the nba or the nfl like there's a lot of stuff like that that he that he does and and then he'll pop up and be like it's your boy on a dj khaled record pick up a cool (laughs) mill (laughs) go back on the boat (laughs) how old would he be do you reckon how old is he he is maybe 50 yeah. yeah, I was going to say, they have to be 50 now. Yeah, yeah. Um, I know his birthday was the other day because in New York when it's his birthday, December 4, you can't jump into a cab or, or an Uber without hearing a, a Jay-Z song on the radio. Like it becomes a really big thing. And it's funny that, isn't it? Like you're in the b- biggest city. Yeah. He was born 1969, December the 4th. Oh. So, Yeah. So he turned fifty. So means he turned fifty-one. Turned fifty-one. Um, the other day, last week. Happy birthday, Jay Z! Ever listening? <laughs> <laughs> Could we? I'd like to dedicate this episode to Jay Z. <laughs> uh, in fact, not only would I like to say happy birthday to Jay Z if he's listening, but also fucking congratulations for sticking with it for this long because you wouldn't have really. Um, well, apart from, you know, the, the COVID talk in America, there'd be a lot of stuff where he'd be scratching his head. I mean, Klinger, uh, Jay-Z would be... <laughs> oh, you're, oh, you, oh, no, I think... I think Jay-Z... I mean, I, I, we may have lost him with the Chris Judd throwaway reference. We yeah. Have. <laughs> I'd just like to see Jay-Z just say, hey, B, pass me my laptop. 
What, what the fuck? <laughs> do, do you reckon Judd is spelt with two Ds? Is it like Ashley? <laughs> <laughs> what do you think he's yeah, worth? I, I, Guess his worth. Guess his net worth. Oh, is it this great? The net worth? Um, <laughs> well, well, he and Beyonce were the first billionaire couple or something. That was, I remember that being a thing. I'd put him at right. 500 mil. It's, um, it says net worth of one bill, one one billion. Wow, I'm going to miss him when the social revolution happens here and we kill all the billionaires. That's he's going to be one of the guys that's <laughs> yeah, like, yeah, yeah. He's going to be like, yeah. Do we give yeah. a few of them a pass? Are we like, exactly. are we like, you I know what? We <laughs> yeah. His number, he's tied for number one thousand nine hundred ninety on the annual worldwide list of billionaires with a net worth of one billion. Yeah, I think we should ha- allow some exemptions when we eat the billionaires. So this is I my think- so this is my question is like when we eat the rich, um, mm. is is this appealing? Do we have to eat them because I like they're all getting so fit now. It's not like. The old yeah. days where you'd have a good bit of meat on a on That's a billionaire. Huge. Have you yeah, seen Jeff true. Bezos? Like, who's he going to feed? No one. Yeah, and, uh, and yeah. we've even seen his dick. Like, we've seen a picture of his dick. Like, there's, you know, <laughs> you, you know. So I'm just saying, like, it's. I, I'm thinking if we're gonna if we're gonna do this eat the rich thing practically, let's let's maybe have them as an entree and then have a main meal. Would you have it? So how are you doing it? Are you having it a la carte, rich, or is there a Buffet. <laughs> well, I think it should be a buff buffet. Yeah, I think and it's what, be. like a late lunch, like a Christmassy kind of late um, lunch. Because I think a dinner. Yes. Yeah. No, that's a good point. That is a good point you raise. I think it should be yes, a late lunch. Yeah, because you're going to need a bit of time, aren't you? That's what I think to just digest and you know, going straight to bed after eating the rich is... No, yeah, that's bad. That's a recipe for a nightmare. That's what that is. You're going to have a... Yeah, you're going to have a terrible night's sleep. Um, Probably be a bit gassy. So, yeah, yeah I think... Would. I, that's I the like one the thing about the rich. Yeah, they, they, they do give you a bit of <laughs> indigestion. <laughs> All right, I... I'm gonna, I'm, I'm gonna have to, I'm gonna have to run, man, because I've got to go. Um, I've got to take my daughter with me, who's been off from school all this week because she's been sick. So after doing twenty weeks of homeschooling and during lockdown, add another fucking week onto that. Um, we had to go. And, <laughs> I, we took her to get coat to test it for coronavirus, negative. Um, just so everybody knows. Um, and then, and I've got to go. We've got to go and borrow. We're borrowing a friend's Ute. Go to Rebel Sports and pick up a table tennis table, um, which is a Christmas present for the family. So that's what I'm doing now. That 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 I've I've got to I've got to borrow a Ute to go to Rebel Sport. Could be I've never felt as homesick as I did when I heard that. <laughs> <laughs> if you swing past yeah. Bunnings for a sausage, I'm going to kill myself. Yeah. <laughs> Totally. Oh my god, I did. I did not mean that. Well, yeah, fuck. I guess look, the Aussie just comes out, doesn't it? That is that is what I'm doing. So it's late at night where you are as well, right? It's late at night for me. It's seven thirty, yeah, yeah. but yeah, I, I'll, I'll be in bed in an hour. <laughs> I've got I've got Gilmore Girls to catch up on, Kevin. <laughs> <laughs> oh, jealous. Um, thank you so much for doing this, Scott. I really, really appreciate it. Um, and yeah, look, I hope. Uh, 
yeah, I hope things um, don't don't get any weirder than they are already um, over in your neck of the woods. Um, yeah, cheers, man. Thanks very much for having me. Um, hopefully, next time we see each other, it will be in person. Do you ever do this live? Yeah. You should make this a live show. Uh, look, the thought has crossed my mind, but um, hasn't got past that stage. <laughs> just let's do. Just hey, I. I all right, I'll, let's do a live one. When I'm back, we'll go to the European Beer Cafe and do a live show. <laughs> I think I'd be pretty nervous about... Do- I mean, because, like, obviously it's such a... You know, it'd be such a different type of performance to what I'm used to in terms of going up and singing and stuff. Exactly. Um, and as the comedian, I want to put you in that position. This is my life, you know? I think There's I no to- six-string applause machine where I'm from, pal. It's just you and the audience. <laughs> 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 I'd have to make it It would have to be a variety show I think Okay yeah let's work on a variety show Can people have suggestions On what they'd like to see Because we could have a pet segment um, yeah. You could play a couple of songs Yeah I could cook I don't know I don't know Let's, let's <laughs> do, you, um, do you make it back to Australia When was the last time you were back here And do you have plans to be back here um, You know in the future Well I guess at some point when they open the border up again. Yeah, so I, I was back in I, I was back in February for work and then okay. and then had to come back to America and then man, flights are so expensive and then three thousand mm. dollars on quarantine and then finite amount of time you can be away and things like that. So yeah. um but yeah, I'd like to be and I, I think the, the, the Scott and Kevin show has legs. So let's do it. <laughs> okay. It's a return let's it's a return it. to variety. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we'll put it into development. Thank you very much, Scott. I really I really appreciate Thanks, it. <laughs> I'll see you later. All right, see you mate.